3: of my childhood when I played Cause even when I felt your absence Your impression remained You preoccupied my adolescence Like an open carry on the hit Of a woman I knew I would marry Her name was fear and trembling But this is how it's always felt Like I'm only arriving Where you've already been And even now The new atheist wrote their bus campaigns on public speaking streets, and I was cowering under comments about the Amalekites and God's providence, and Hitch will get. How it's always been You're waiting beside hospital beds In chambers of my heart That life hasn't broken yet But even now
1: Thanks for coming to The Antidote. When I was busy putting together the series about artists who performed at Audio Feed Festival, I came across an artist I'd never heard of. It was an eye-opener when I checked into the music of former Ruins. Intelligent lyrics, great music, and an amazing voice. Levi Sykes has got it all. <laughs> he also has long songs, and he and I had a big talk which is why we only had time for a portion of the Former Ruins song, The Last Thing I Saw. So no more wasting time. Let's get into it. Levi Dylan Sykes makes music under the banner of Former Ruins. Thanks for joining The Antidote, Levi. Sure. Thanks for having me, Dave. I'd really like to have you take us back to day one of Former Ruins. How did this all come together?
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a great question. Um, The notion of writing original music was presented to me at a very early age um, from my father primarily. He would be attentive to well-crafted lyrics. And um, once he encountered the Lord and entered into um, kind of Christian subculture, you know, the music scene was a little spotty (laughs) in 1981. Mm -hmm. Um, So he always made a real effort to try to seek out those artists kind of in the Christian alternative music scene who were crafting music that wasn't just trying to sound like pop radio, but they were also attending to the lyrics. Um, so some early artists he of course really um, gravitated toward was was Dylan's uh, gospel phase of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of these albums that he had started um, collecting on vinyl or CD became fixtures in my own childhood. Um, I remember listening to artists like um, King's X, Hoy Palloi, and then the big names in our household were uh, Bill Maloney and the Vigilantes of Love. Oh, right. And Over the Rhine. And these, these you know, literate Christian artists. And I knew that they weren't big names, except for, you know, Bob Dylan, of course. I immediately appreciated the fact that these were people, maybe not they didn't have some major break, but it was worth their while to take the time to try to express their own life, the depths of their faith, complexity of life, these wonderful themes of a real lived life through song and specifically through lyrics. And ever since then, I just have always been fascinated by songcraft. Fast forward all through the years, I an electric guitar and I learn one chord and I get rid of it a year later (laughs) Um, I'm 12 and my dad buys me a bass guitar and I cry through my first few lessons because of calluses and I can't figure it out and it's too hard and he just said Levi you're really going to appreciate being able to play music someday so I kind of got into the high school band scene you know Uh, so I was listening to tooth and nail records bands and uh, had a band all through high school with some close friends and I was the only one in the band without a mic because I have struggled my whole life with singing. You're um, kidding. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but my dad would point out to me, Levi, people listen to Bob Dylan not because he's technically a great singer. Mm-hmm. They listen because he's conveying something with authenticity and he's, he has something t- to write about. And so that always was kind of in my back pocket, like, okay, I don't have to be a great singer. It actually became such a stumbling block in my spiritual life, where I so desired to be able to write songs. And I began to envy the people who, in my mind, could just pick up a guitar around a campfire and sing. Some of my friends are great singers, and they can do it, and that's wonderful. And I I completely stopped all through um, junior year, senior year. I got married right out of college to Jennifer. And it was about two years later when we were expecting our first daughter, I had brought my acoustic guitar along with me and a song came out. And it was the very first song I felt like I could actually recognize my own voice in. But I just had the thought, I want my daughter to see me creating and not being so closed in on myself anymore. And so, actually, when I had changed jobs and I was managing a coffee shop, the guy who ended up becoming a co-manager with me, Keith Hartman, um, we were at this coffee shop together and he was releasing his album. And he needed an opener. He just kept saying, Levi, why don't you open for me? Just do it. I want you to do it. And I decided to go ahead with it. Two friends supporting me on Cajon and Electric Guitar as Levi Dillon and the former Ruins. I think that was the moment where something switched and I began recognizing this is something I've always loved doing and I'm ready to begin.
1: So you gave us the whole story of how former Ruins came to be. Why don't we get into your music? The first single from your 2020 debut, The Large Startling Album.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I originally thought that Cars of Our Youth was going to be reminiscent about your first car, but it goes <laughs> way deeper than that. The song says, we were promised happiness would be us in motion. While I'm still at this wheel, I don't feel closer to it. I just feel closer to the edge. But really, I guess what I want to know, is anyone ever completely happy or satisfied?
0: I, I do think we can begin participating in our eternal happiness here. Because I do believe that there is a kingdom that gives us foretastes of what we're really wanting and what does satisfy the hungry heart. I do believe we can find real rest, even in the restlessness of life on this side of the veil, so to speak. Um, we're instructed in the letter to the Hebrews to enter into the rest of Christ that he has inaugurated. That's here. Um, here is available to us. So I really do believe that I am not a cynic. In that way, I was actually just talking to my wife about that song a few, <laughs> a few days ago after audio feed, and like we we didn't play that song. In fact, I I haven't played it for a couple of years, partly because I feel like the accent of that song is a little maybe it's Ecclesiastes, right? <laughs> it's a, <laughs> little, a little too a little too despairing. But I do still agree with the notion of that song that like these things when we worship creatures or the goods of this world as our ultimate ends that's when things start going south Mm -hmm. and we get diminishing returns and all the pleasures Mm -hmm. of this world begin under delivering on their lofty promises that's kind of the main gist of that song Sunlight
3: spreads out on the glass and I just push this pedal out to get the feeling that I knew these routes, without any match I didn't think I'd get lost, but I I saw that on an advertisement But it didn't feel as false As it does at this moment When we're closer to the edge Of our discontent I'm feeling further from the truth Cause I'm trying hard to forget That nothing satisfies us Like it used to and nothing reminds us all our desires rust like cars of our youth. Nothing satisfies us like it promises to do. And nothing will drive us right down to dust like cars of our youth.
1: Also want to hear about is the name Former Ruins. sure. Because I've also seen your music described as post-cynical, meaning that you've had a dramatic change.
0: Yeah, I think in my life I've remained um, rather consistent, I would say by God's grace, having a very like living faith in the goodness of God, the truth of his word, and his power. His power principally to transform. We have a transformational faith, not a transactional one. Mm -hmm. And when I landed on the band name Former Ruins, I I wanted, of course, I've second-guessed it a million times, (laughs) and I wish I could change it, but I still, I just accept that's what it is. And I still believe in the underlying message. I wanted something hopeful that didn't sound sentimental, something that acknowledged the truth of the situation on the ground, Most of the time, we we are prone to ruin, things fall apart, but the great subversion that has occurred of the incarnation and the resurrection and Jesus's passion is the redeeming of all of those things that we, all all those ways in which we are ruined and the ways that we can bring things to ruin. It's just a very succinct gospel message, (laughs) basic gospel message in the band
1: name. So, there it is. But then why do you regret the name now?
0: I, I don't regret the meaning at all. I stand by the meaning and I pray I
1: live the meaning.
0: Um, I'm not trying to in any way distance myself from that. I just think the aesthetics of the words, they don't quite align with the aesthetic of the music as much as I'd like.
1: You mean because it makes you sound like you're an emo band?
0: It kind of sounds like an emo band. It kind of <laughs> it, it, I think Ruins kind of evokes like... I mean, even, like, the Stonehenge sequence of Spinal Tap or (laughs) some some of those, it's evocative of kind of an aesthetic or ruins that sounds to me a little bit more like, oh, that could be, like, a metal band. But it's the one I chose. And you know what? As I continue to develop my sound, and I'm kind of looking ahead to developing into a little bit more of, like, some of the music I grew up listening to, like, atmospheric Americana a little bit more folk rock with these kind of sparkly atmospheric elements that I love. Former Ruins will be there, and it just will be the name I'm stuck with, and (laughs) that's okay.
1: Well, that's certainly how I would have described the sound of Former Ruins, folk rock.
0: Well, there we go. Then maybe it's all copacetic.
1: You know, a couple months back, a guest and I were speaking about how Christian artists rarely record a love song. But you did that on Way Out. You sing, when I found you, time split in two, like the opening of an age. I don't know what waits past the threshold, but when I find out, I will stay. I mean, that's a winner. <laughs> I'm sure your wife gave you at least 50 points for that one.
0: <laughs> yes, she did. Of course, she's the inspiration of the song Subject, but she actually challenged me to write a love song because I was writing all of these naughty, twisty, metaphor-laden, existentially angsty songs. And she said, Levi, why don't you ever just try writing a simple love song? And I, I kind of rolled my eyes at her and played a C and an F, right? You know, <laughs> the most basic <laughs> chords I played. I said, oh, something like this, all the ways of love do, too many to count. And I just kind of like did it in a sing-songy way. And then I look up, and the way she's looking at me tells me that's actually exactly what she was wanting. (laughs) And I probably shouldn't keep joking about it. And so I then just developed the rest of the song, and um, yeah, that's a special one. That was definitely more of a staple in the earlier years of Former Ruins, and I was playing more acoustic and solo, and I should uh, play that one live sometime soon. That's a sweet one.
3: All these ways I've loved you, too many to count. Seen or hidden, wilt or admitted, they will find their way out. All these ways I've. Run out right to find a way out. I'll find a way. I'll find my way out to you. All these ways I've wronged you. You do not. Harsh as lightning or hardly surprising They're gonna find their way out Their way out to like all these ways I long i fine.
1: does a guy like you, four kids, married, you've got a job. How do you get the time to do the music?
0: Um, well, you, you do have to just make the time. And um, the creation of this album happened over the course of literally hundreds of parachute-in recording sessions just in my, you know, my DAW logic on my MacBook. Mm-hmm. And as hard as that is, and as much as it made for a very fragmented experience, I used the phrase workmanlike earlier. And you almost do have to have the perspective of 6 a.m. is not the ideal time. I am tired. I would rather just be upstairs with my coffee. But I have this time. I need to punch in. My shift has started. I need to punch in and at least try to like get the base part of uncreated light verse two done because if I get that done, I will be that much closer to getting the whole song done and then the whole records done. It was truly like, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You just do a little bite at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's kind of a grotesque phrase. I heard my dad use that growing up. I knew I needed to become a morning person to get this done because I had been trying to do it all in the evenings after we put all of our children to bed. I'm sitting in front of a computer my whole work day. Then it's dinner and clean up from dinner and be with the children and put them to bed. And it's 830. And then I'm going to look at my wife, who's very tired out from the day. And then I'm going to go back downstairs. And if I'm doing that every night, that is not healthy for any kind of marriage, at least not for us. I really perceive I need to be at rest with my wife in the evenings. She's had a long day and I've I've had one too. So yeah, the morning time, telling you what. I I wish I could wake up at 5, and not 5.30, um, get even more done.
1: But you have made it sound as if it is a bit of a chore to get the music created.
0: Presently, it is. It is not how I want to make album number three. It's going to be a very different process, because it's songs I've actually already written and played live. Uh, No Creature Is Hidden was comprised entirely of songs I had never played live, which kind of bears itself out in the arrangements. Um, They're a little more intricate and complex than anything I'm ever going to be able to handle live. So album number three, though, we are really praying as a family about how we can possibly navigate this for the long haul, because I need more time, especially during the waking working hours to devote to music. It's a work in progress.
1: That's it. That's the future. But for now, you and I can talk to the here and the now. which is your follow-up to the debut. As you mentioned, the new album's called No Creature is Hidden. And seriously, that's one of the best things I've heard this year. Wow, thank you, Dave. And I'm tremendously critical. (laughs) When you did the album, did you really have a solid idea about what you wanted to do with it?
0: I did know that I wanted it to be a transitional album in the sense of, it was time to have something complete. I knew I wanted to land on ten songs at least, and something that I could propose to uh, listeners, close listeners, patrons, who I'm so thankful for. I'm I'm amazed at the amount of people who actually wanted to chip in and help practically fund the process of producing this album. I knew I needed to make a return on that kind of investment of both belief on the part of my wife and my extended family who really do believe that there's something to this. So I wanted it to feel like a complete work. I didn't want to just kind of keep releasing one-off singles. I needed a proper follow-up to large startling and something that signaled, "I'm this is kind of serious business, <laughs> and then also No Creature Is Hidden represents Levi learns how to produce. <laughs> and that's <best laughs> for better or for worse before this album there was so much in the software and just with recording i did not know how to do and this was a tremendous learning experience there's things that i hear now in every single one of the songs that i wish i could do differently i would strip it back i would pare it down but i just am trying to have a growth mindset with the album like this was such a necessary album for me to kind of up the production value to learn the craft a little bit more and um in that respect, I think it was successful. I did know what I wanted the album to be with regard to its message and its theme. Um, I had landed on that name before I, the No Creature is Hidden when I had only written maybe Doxology and Sparrow Eyes. I mean, <laughs> the rest of the album are songs that I wrote in the midst of making the album. They were written in real time pretty much as I was recording them. A handful of them Um, found their genesis in a few demos sent from a collaborator named John Michael Sellers. He kind of sent me, they were very kind of these impressionistic, almost cinematic sounding little demos, which is mostly made with synthesizers. Sign is one of them. And he sent that to me and I thought, I think I can make a song out of this. And so he's a, he's a co-writer on that song, but you know, I added the lyrics and the melody and expand the vision of those demos to include the, the, stringed instruments like uh, guitars and bass and then the drum kit. And so I was making these songs under that banner of No Creature is Hidden. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's a direct reference uh, from scripture. So I had a fairly good idea thematically of what I wanted the album to say, but sonically and what the songs were going to be, that was uh, kind of on the fly. <laughs> I was figuring it out as I went.
1: You know, something I find on the album is that much of it is about different types of love god's love a mother's love and here i'm gonna go for a guess that maybe there's a grandmother's love so you gotta tell me if i'm right or wrong is that how the title sparrow's eyes came about
0: you you have touched on something very um it's a keen observation it is not a grandmother but Ah. what's very funny is that my my second daughter's middle name is sparrow after the maiden name of my grandmother. So <laughs> very close, very close. Maybe my, my grandmother's influence is there. Um, the symbol of the mother in Sparrow Eyes actually is a symbol of um, the church. So I'll, I'll maybe leave it at that. But um, Lindy is the kind of the more the concrete expression of motherhood. That is about my actual biological mother and just all that beautiful gift of life the sanctity of life and the sanctity of her life. Um, but yeah, in Sparrow the mother is de- much more metaphorical. I'm Levi Sykes of Former Ruins, and you found Christian music that doesn't suck on The Antidote.
3: by the water at the end of time No creature is hidden, and neither is I time Because you know how I Can be a punchline That hits a little close to home You lead us to the altar, all us belly crawling. And if I'm curving you And see nothing but my sins you live I have been, Even within myself But we have tried to flee from your sight The a browser in the boardroom on our bed at night We've become all the kinds of things we like, And the emptiness calls out to you Cause we can't get all the way away from you You know we can't A rabbit in a fiery feet And my best hope is getting caught. Against a broken sky, and be remembered back to you. Cause I can't keep anything away from you. You know, I can keep anything away
1: from you. You know what I want to tell you is that the very first time I heard a song from Former Ruins, I thought man, this guy's voice reminds me so much of Matt Berninger of The National. (laughs) You have probably heard that a thousand times.
0: I've actually had to tell people that a few dozen times because sometimes people are naive and they think, wow, like you have a really unique voice. And I pretty much tell them it was actually singing along to Boxer by The National that gave me my first clue that I actually had a voice that could maybe work in indie rock. Because up until hearing The National, you know, I had not heard Nick Cave. I had um, listened to Dylan, but I didn't really have many other reference points. I listened to Me Without You a lot in college Mm -hmm. and high school. So there's kind of that sing-speak thing. And I could could imitate Aaron Weiss pretty well. (laughs) But you're right on the money because it was listening to Fake Empire. That coming through my headphones when I was in late high school, it was like an epiphany because I could sing along to it for the first time, didn't immediately feel out of my depth, even though he has a deeper voice than me and it's
1: richer. And The difference is that your vocals are crisper and they're more assured sounding than Berninger's.
0: Oh, I mean, that's my opinion. I've been very, very um, inspired by him, as a, both as a vocalist and as a
1: lyricist, and um
0: find his work very beguiling, very compelling, and... Um, I'll take the comparison. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's also different about Former Ruins is that you're making music with really thought-provoking lyrics. And the thing is, that's really not as common as it should be. You even sort of mentioned that, you know, a little bit obliquely in Horses and First Drafts. Something else is that a number of your songs mention other pretty significant songwriters. You know, people like Bruce Springsteen, Sufjan Stevens. Dave Bazan, and of course you've already mentioned Bob Dylan. So those type of artists have been an inspiration to you?
0: Yes, they have. Um, Mm. Either a direct inspiration or they have featured in the lives of others that I'm addressing in those songs. So Sufjan Stevens shows up in Chaplin and um, David Bazan shows up in Flannelgraph. And actually in both of those songs, I'm using them as kind of... um, common denominators between me and kind of the person I'm addressing in both of those songs, kind of the main person I have in my mind um, because those artists actually meant a lot to them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, and I'm not trying to name drop them to do much else other than um, make it seem more concrete and real. Yeah, that that's how it went. Those artists and some of the themes dealt with in those songs You know, I think when you come up in um, kind of the Christian music scene, and that's a big part of your formation (laughs) as a growing up Christian, in some way it becomes like an informal catechism, the music you listen to. (laughs) Um, And I saw that play out a lot in the friends I grew up with who I was in this band with. Music almost became the functional formator or educator in the things of the faith. And so it's like the very first time... You hear Sufjan Stevens talk about praying for somebody, but they don't get healed. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I remember where I was when I was hearing people who were a few years older than me, and they were like the cool Christians in my eyes, you know, because <laughs> they were like 16 <laughs> and I was 12. I was hearing them quote Casimir um, Pulaski Day by Sufjan Stevens to each other. And the look on their faces when they said that line, I felt palpably... Like, that is speaking to them more than anything they've ever read in the Bible. I didn't necessarily agree with that sentiment, but it's like I could tell this lyric was doing more to rearrange their theological furniture than anything they had ever heard on a Sunday morning. And then the same thing happened again with um, a David Bazan song. And I was with my friends, and they were quoting me this lyric, and just, they were like, that's just so honest, man. And I'm hearing it, and I'm thinking, okay, well, that's a bit of a sassy theological take, but I don't know if that's like the final word on the matter. But I could tell, as my friends were listening to this song and quoting me this lyric, it kind of sealed the deal for them, Bazan's take on this certain theological topic. Mm So that's that's what I'm getting at with those references.
1: But then with your own music, are you willing to challenge people with your lyrical content?
0: Um, You know, I, I think... The truth is challenging because, you know, we need transformation and we need healing. So that's like my starting point. And I am, I'm okay with my own lyrics challenging somebody. But I want to draw a very clear distinction between being a provocateur, so to speak, mm-hmm. and being someone who is truly trying to take seriously the transformative and startling, if you will message of Jesus Christ, the eternal word that has instantiated in time and space as a human. <laughs> it's, the Christian faith is cosmic and wild and profound and nuanced all at the same time and, and startling in its claim. And so I don't think I need to really be needlessly provocative. In fact, speaking very personally, I think real transformation happens the more docile we are and the more humble And receptive, we are to a truth that is way bigger than our own cleverness. Mm -hmm. And um, that we, it's the obedience of faith, basically, is what I'm trying to say. I'll leave it at that for now.
1: (laughs) It's quite clear that you're really solid in your faith. I guess that really ties into the song False Infinities. You know, because the song has a non believer being swayed by relativism, Mm -hmm. and then you bring in a counterpoint. I was a self-referring circuit of positive inputs, but nothing electric ever struck. Nothing could judge me, oppose me, or conduct me, and therefore not love me that much. So since you wrote that song, you must have expectations.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say I'm not trying to be very nuanced. (laughs) Mm -hmm. True. (laughs) If that's what we're trying to get at... um yeah, some songwriters almost relish writing impressionistic lyrics and they really are keen on the idea of listeners having their own interpretations, right?
1: Mm-hmm. All the
0: time. I guess you could say I'm kind of having, have a very different perspective and a, a very different school of thought. Um,
1: Is that age related? Age related. Yeah. Because you're in your thirties. You're not like writing this as a late teen, early 20.
0: You know, Dave, I, I sort of see this across the decades. In fact, many people my age and my slice of life are very ardently embracing labels like ex-evangelical, deconstructionist, Mm -hmm. progressive, whatever it may be. And I think I'm in this and I'm doing this because I actually believe in what I'm saying and I am trying to communicate something concrete. And if anything... I. I try to be a little guarded with how much I talk about my songs because I I just want to be a little bit more disciplined with my speech and I can talk about myself a lot. And I see in that something that could be perfected further by God's grace. I do think like these songs will pass away. My life will reach its end. And I do feel kind of that Pauline summons, like woe to me if I do not announce the gospel And I can't use my songs and just a bunch of hazy, impressionistic lyrics as a shield. Like, I I am trying to do what I can to make that proclamation, perhaps in an unexpected way or kind of a startling way.
1: But still in a metaphorical
0: way. In metaphorical, because I I think metaphor is um, beguiling and intriguing and beautiful and very cool. (laughs) Like, it's what speaks to me, but I... I'm not just trying to dish out metaphors for the sake of it that I know what the meta is for um, so to speak (laughs) you're in service of something and I'm trying to point to it
3: From Denver with the Ouroboros tattoo, he said everything will recur until we all dissolve in time. That's the kind of vaguely spiritual thing you can get away with saying to strangers, but he really didn't like you telling them how to drive. I had a perfect circle and I tried to paint it all black. Uh huh. But then I couldn't decide if I should paint it all white or in perfectly balanced house. But my eyes are acrobats, leaping out and desperate to catch sight of something real that can bear. A human face. I need something that can break through to me. And break through my false infinities. But here's yet another ex-pastor in Warby Parker. Glasses without a prescription. He says we're star stuff. And baby, we are enough. And the kingdom of heaven is within. And the capital U. Says here, the goddess taught our own inner light. Well, okay, I'm just saying that sort of thing. Never got anyone crucified. I had a perfect circle and I tried to paint it all black. Uh But then I couldn't decide if I should paint it all white or if perfectly balanced. out Put my eyes are acrobats leaping out desperate to catch sight of something real that can bear a human face. I need something that can break my arms. Acrobats flying out through empty space to lay a hold of hands at a and hold human. Something that could break I was a self-referring circuit of positive inputs But nothing electric ever struck Nothing could judge me oppose or, or conduct me And therefore not love me that much But you found me going nowhere Just circling a parking lot uh-huh. Exciting slogans to myself Like drops in the ocean It sounded pretty deep But it didn't help And the hot song Acrobat And now across again to be one with you Even now in time and space because a sacred heart can break And you know we need something that can break through all our false infinity is a wire in the tension Remains a crucial thing Just be us suck there dancing Above trees that could are Beyond all love false infinities
1: That was False Infinities from No Creature Is Hidden which I think is one of the best releases of this year. I'm going to be on vacation for the next few weeks, but I'm not going to leave you hanging. I've dug into the Antidote archives for some excellent visits with past guests. Now here comes the last of my talk with Levi and the great, great song, Uncreated Light. Enjoy this, and I'll see you next week. But one thing about the songs on No Creature Is Hidden is that they're incredibly long. I mean, which doesn't really make them too radio-friendly. I mean, because they're all in the five-minute-plus range.
0: I know, Dave, and that it makes it's one of my biggest regrets <laughs> about the album. I think only, what, maybe three or four songs just make it under five minutes. <laughs> like they, they start with that beautiful four, but it's like four minutes and 47 seconds, or four minutes and 55 seconds. I told my wife that for album number three, my personal goal... Is to make a third of the songs should be less than four minutes. That's, that's what I'm, and then I'll have one song that's maybe some twelve minute, you know, thing where I just pack in all the all the leftover lyrics that I shaved off the other ones. Who knows?
1: Earlier on, I was talking about thought provoking songs, and I think the one that really fits that kind of label is Uncreated Light, which finishes with this verse that says so find me reclining against your most chaste chest. I'll hear your resting cadence. Bear a resemblance to repent, repent, repent. We all need to hear some hard things sometimes. Okay, now I'm going to say for myself, I do understand that, but do we really need to hear hard things? Like, how does that help us?
2: Hmm,
0: it's a good question. Well, the hard things is a it- Direct reference to the many times in the gospel accounts when it is said of something Jesus has just taught that it was a hard saying. Some people, you know, there's crowds who approach him or the disciples approach him like this is a hard saying. Who can receive it? And it's at moments like that that our Lord seems to double down so much of the time. He doesn't say, Oh, well, what do you think it means? (laughs) Or I'm cool with you interpreting me however you want. He says some very hard things. I mean, if we just kind of bring it down to even the level of relationships, the most remedial things, the most reparative things that have ever been said to me usually are hard to hear. You know, they're hard to hear. It's it's revealing something about us that we'd rather not be known or exposed. There's an image also in that song about the table. Mm -hmm. And I think the basic Christian invitation is... Jesus holds table fellowship with sinners. Yes, it's so true. Thanks be to God, because I want to be at that table with him, and I'm a sinner. But I think the problem in modernity is that nobody is really willing to say they're a sinner. So we're wanting to have it both ways, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Our Lord has table fellowship with sinners, but nobody is stepping up and saying, yes, that's me, and I need mercy. We think we're approaching the table of the Lord, and it's a, a nice Sunday brunch, you know, where everyone is just pleasant with each other. And we sit down and we're thankful to be invited when we realize it transforms into a surgeon's table. And that's really what we need. That's the hard thing. So maybe that's what I'm, what I'm getting at. I-
1: so, what kind of an effect do you want to really make with No Creature is Hidden?
0: You know, I, I, I love that it's kind of found some purchase among some listeners. People seem to connect with the songs in surprising ways. And, you know, things that I thought were maybe overly cerebral or inaccessible because of clunky arrangements. I've talked to some people and it's like their favorite part of the song or their mm-hmm. favorite part of the album. So I'm just trying to reserve my own judgments against myself and be a little bit more happy with the work. And I can say that I'm satisfied with what the work is, even though I am already scheming and dreaming about the future of former ruins and the the next songs I want to make. How I want the album to be received is for it to open up for me more opportunities to share my songs live. At Audio Feed, I was able to perform with uh, Aaron Cliff and Lee Cliff out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, two brothers who form a great rhythm section. And then we have a fourth collaborator who we, we think might be joining us for some live sets i really feel like the mo for me is to kind of carry this album and learn more of the songs from the album because again i alluded to this earlier i did not road test these songs before i recorded them i listened to so, like riffs and solos and i wasn't making notes of what i was doing i was recording that at 10:30 at night or 5:45 in the morning and you know so there's going to be some work i have to put in and that's my hope for the album is it Connects with listeners, it opens up some doors where people hear it and they think, wow, these, there's something here, or this sounds pretty cool. We'll have this guy out at our cafe or our venue or our church or our coffee house or our campus or whatever. And then I can actually show up and maybe with the help of some of these good friends, deliver these songs in a, in a way that you know, stands up to the album and invites a, even a deeper listening experience. Because that's always what live does. I'm just excited for it. <laughs>
1: The Antidote has been here with Levi of Farmer Ruins. Man, thanks so much for this talk. I really appreciate it.
0: Dave, thanks for inviting me onto the show and uh, asking some great questions. It just means so much to me. I've appreciated it a lot.
3: just removed we spilled our oil like ink into an inky sea and when we burned it on the waves you danced on a distant flame the one we were made to from, we all need to hear some hard things sometimes and this one hits hardest we thought We got lost in our own heads And the light in us was dark In our caricature we drew Your features based on our own truth Our logos in the sponsored section of the program And the scripts we put you through And when we hung it on the wall It clasped with nothing at all We forgot your mouth is drawn like a sword Cause we all need to hear some hard things sometimes And this one, hits hardest We thought we could walk by the light we made Till we got lost in our own heads And the light in us was darkness in my hubris that i have something to say but am i pure in heart that's the question so find me reclining against your most chaste chest i'll hear your resting cadence bear a resemblance to repent repent repent